Caitlin Hales. And I'm Derek Alexander. And this is AFM Podcast. And today we're going to be talking about the intersection of Black sexuality in American society. Well, to start off, I think we should talk about uh, queer Black men and some of their experiences with their sexuality. Okay, so I remember in class, um, Dr. Palmer was discussing how um, Black men used to go to these black queer clubs um to kind of meet other black gay men and black queer men and black queer people to kind of have like a safe place to go Uh and i really want to see if i can remember the name of these places yeah i definitely remember hearing about stuff like that you know um I think mainly the purpose of it was just to feel that sense of community mm-hmm. that everybody wants to feel, not just only gay people. Right, but right. Specifically gay people, I think they definitely are looking for that acceptance because, quite frankly, they don't get accepted everywhere they go. Yeah, exactly. And that, on top of being Black, is kind of like, a double whammy of not getting accepted like even like a gay white person could still be racist so Mm -hmm. i mean a gay gay white person if let's say they're not super you know feminine or whatever they could and they were passing as straight Mm -hmm. they're white they're fine right oh yeah you're right exactly a queer black man, he might pass as straight to someone who may not be, who not really pays attention or focuses on stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, he is still black, regardless of whether or not he passes as straight or not. Yeah. So I think that's definitely something that's, you're right. I think it is definitely like a double whammy, like a double, that extra notch of like, Mm-hmm. You know, not feeling accepted. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that kind of, I guess that can kind of lead us into, like, Black relationships. Those clubs that they were going to, mm-hmm. that was also to find, like, not even just, like, a safe place, but maybe, like, a safe person, almost, that understood, like, where yeah. exactly they were coming from. Because I feel like if you're not, if you're not in that position in your life, it's probably or it's hard to understand you know everything this person is going through for sure does that make sense i I would i can see definitely that you know if you're a queer black man you want to find another queer black man maybe not only for intimacy but also just like you said to feel understood right and like accepted and like yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I think, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I think black men and black women, and like queer women, queer women, those two differ. They differ a lot. Right. Um, um, I personally think that black women tend to have it even more rough 
mm-hmm. the black uh, queer men. Because mm-hmm. these women, not only are they black, not only are they queer, they're also a woman in a man's world. Right. You know I mean? yeah. They're subjugated to so many different forms and expressions of what we would call oppression. Right. Right. And stigmas and stereotypes, all kinds of. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like we could kind of talk about the church now and then come back to black yeah. relationships because yeah. in the secret lives of church ladies, we see these stories that are about these queer women. And one that really stood out to me that made me sad was Eula. Yeah. Because they have to sneak away to this motel just so they can be together and just have yeah. intimacy between two adults yeah and there was especially that the part that stood out to me and we talked about this in class too was um when Eula was like I don't question God and then yep. the other girl was like well maybe you should question the people that taught you this version of God. And oh, that, yeah. I was like, damn. Yeah, that. Like, she's right. Eula, the chapter Eula stood out to me a lot. Yeah. Another chapter. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say it's like really sad because it's like um, these women, like, it is completely normal for adult humans to want to have intimacy Mm want to have sex want to have like a person that they feel that comfortable with to have those kind of relationships but when these women are growing up in the church they have this idea that's put into their head that's like you're not a woman if you don't want to grow up and your sole purpose be to be a good wife, yeah. to be there for your husband, to basically like sit down and shut up and cook and clean. And it's like, that's just not, maybe for some women that's normal, but I mean, pretty much all the women I know are like, that sounds horrible. Yeah, I mean, if a woman chooses that lifestyle, that's fantastic for her. Right. But that shouldn't be a requirement or an expectation of a single woman. And it shouldn't be pushed into these Black women's heads that this is the only way that you're, like, gonna be accepted as a Black woman is if you just shrink yourself, pretty much. Yeah, for sure. And it's... To a certain extent, it's not even like you mentioned how, you know, Eula was talking about how she doesn't defy the words of God, but her partner was saying that, well, you're not, maybe you should defy the people who are teaching you these, this version of God. Mm-hmm. That is also seen in the chapter Snowfall mm-hmm. about, um, I forgot the character's names, but the main character, she essentially had lost her mother, not in a physical sense, but in a figurative sense in the, in the way that her mother did not accept her daughter's lifestyle of being queer. Right. And those teachings don't only affect the queer people. 
it affects mm-hmm. their parents, which in turn affects the queer people. Yeah. It, it affects generations upon generations. And I think that's why, like, when we talk about this, the black men looking for other black, other queer black men, it's that community. They mm-hmm. lose community the moment they openly express their sexuality. Right. In my opinion, I think that's, it's a, a very difficult thing to deal with. So yeah. they find different ways to cope that are unique to queer people, specifically black queer people. Right. Or it makes it even harder for them to accept who they are and be like at peace of mind with it. Yeah. Because they have all these outside conflicts outside of their relationship with their partner that is taking like a big toll on their relationship. And I think that makes it even that much harder. And so it's like, they have their relationship. They have the church telling them it's not okay. Their parents are siding with the church. So their parents are telling them it's not okay. Maybe other members of their family. And then on top of that, they have American society telling them, well, forget all that. Actually, it's not okay to be black. Yeah. On top of everything. That's what is so difficult about admitting. It's, it's, it's a simple fact of it. It's who you are. And you're struggling with your own identity. Mm-hmm. Because you recognize that society has put these stereotypes, these requirements out of people and your identity contradicts society right does that mean that you're a contradiction no it just means that there are certain people in this world that won't accept who you are yeah and it's also um It's upsetting because it's like these views have carried on for so long Mm -hmm. and it's like these outdated perceptions of life that, and it's just like, when is it going to end? Like why it's so hard for me to wrap my mind around why other people care about other people's lives so much when it has nothing to do with you you never know i mean you can't we as people can't say oh this is why other people do what they do yeah all these theories about why do this why do that but at the end of the day you can't definitively say this is the one reason it's a multitude of reasons. Yeah. It's generational stuff that you pass down to your kids, even though it's ill-informed. Right. And I mean, I don't, and this is where I started thinking about the church. The church is a great place. As we talked about in class, the church is a, it's a, it's a hallmark for community. Mm-hmm. It yeah. is literally a staple in the black community. You go to church, not only to, 
learn about Christ. It's also about just being with a family who may not be your blood family. It may not be your related in any way, shape or form. It's just, those are your family members because they take care of you. Right. And even like, like when black people were enslaved in America, like the church was like a place that they could go to have, like, as you've been saying that community and feel safe and Uh even just like escape. They wore their nice clothes and got to see, you know, these people who are going this, through the same stuff as them, and it was their sanctuary. Yeah. Yeah, to an extent, it is. Right, to an extent, is, and then... Right, it is their sanctuary. Yeah, but then I guess that makes it even so much harder when this church is supposed to be your sanctuary and they're telling you that how you feel as your own person is wrong. Yeah. You know, your safe space is no longer safe for you. Right. It doesn't affect all the other people. If they're straight, they don't feel that sanctity, you know, broken. Right. But as a queer person, you would. You would feel that, like, you know, earth-shattering moment that you like, or you recognize that the place that you love more than anything else no longer accepts you for who you are. And I think that's what Eula was struggling with right. in that chapter. You know, yeah. she, she was a devout Christian, but yeah. her feelings weren't accepted by her pastor. Mm-hmm. And they weren't even accepted by her, really. Exactly. It's like she was living like this double life, but yeah. her second life was like, like in her head, a sin that she just was not ready to accept. Mm-hmm. But she was still doing it, and she wouldn't have been doing it if she didn't feel a certain way. How do you? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's a very difficult thing to kind of wrap your head around. Like, why? Why? Yeah. I don't think the question is why. I think the question is, you know, this is how this is. What can we do to kind of combat that? But I don't, and that's such a hard question to ask yourself because it's like, I mean, since we were kids, you know, gay people, I mean, you can see that gay people have kind of been able to progress or queer people have been able to progress Mm -hmm. so much over, I mean, our lifetimes. Right. Like it's definitely becoming a more... Accepted thing in today's society. But you still read things about specifically black queer people not getting that same level of acceptance. Right. And does that stem from the fact that they're queer or does it stem from the fact that they're black? Or both.
let's talk about black women and black relationships. Yeah. We kind of see like a paradox between these strong black relationships, um, straight relationships we're talking about now. Yeah. Um, like when we did that paper on the exhibit in Upperman, did you go to that one? I did. So that was really beautiful seeing all these strong black couples like talking about how mm -hmm. they love each other so much and they're each other's like rock and they help build each other up. And I remember a lot of um, what they said, a lot of the couples all said kind of the same things in their captions were that they're both like rooted in, um, I guess like Jesus Christ and like that really helped them thrive in their relationship. And another thing yeah. that helped them thrive was being independent of each other. Like, they had their own careers, they had their own lives, their own friends, and then when they come back to each other at the end of their day, that's, like, their peace. We see, like, that side of it, and then we see another side of it at the same time that's these conversations and experiences of Black men basically wanting to date anybody but a Black woman. Yeah. And um, I watched the show Insecure on, I think it's on HBO Max. Great show. Did you watch that one? Uh, I've already watched the first two, three seasons of Insecure. Oh my God, uh, no way. I love that show. So I forget the two girls' names, but it's like the two best friends they're black women yeah um successful in their careers mm -hmm. or i guess one is more than the other in the episodes that i've seen yeah and the one who is where is she working in that law office yes um she's having trouble you know finding black men to date who aren't like they want to have sex and leave or yeah. they're like putting her down because she knows exactly what she wants she has standards and she's successful and it doesn't say in the show necessarily that they're intimidated but i can only assume that they are because they're like you need to chill out like yeah you sound like this crazy woman who's looking for all this stuff in a man and your standard or standards are too high and you're never going to find that. And it's like, yeah. why, why isn't she going to find it? Because she's is very independent, very successful, getting her money by herself, beautiful woman. Why, if it was a white lady asking for all those things, I feel like men would be like, oh, you know what you want. That's hot, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But because it's a black woman, they're like, you better sit down and chill. Oh, it's yeah. like, 
Why? That makes no sense. Black women and black people are held to such a higher standard. That isn't regarding sexual orientation Mm -hmm. or disregard that. That is black people are always held to a higher standard. You have to be this. You have to be that. I think that's what makes someone a woman knowing what she wants, specifically a black woman knowing what she wants. That's what makes it such a unacceptable thing in society is like you're not what society is expecting of you. Right. Right. They're like, whoa, 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 what's going on? Which is difficult. And I think the character you're talking about, if I remember correctly, it may not be that same character, but there is a character who is a black woman, a straight black woman, um, who dates a man, loves him. A black man loves him. He is perfect, but he's queer. He's bisexual. He has had sex with a man. And she's unable to reconcile that with herself. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what it is that is hard about that. I don't know if it's because he's a black man who had, who is queer. I don't know if it's just because he's queer and you're thinking about the thoughts of him with another man instead of a woman. But regardless, you always, I mean, she has had partners in the past and he has had partners in the past. Right. One of his partners just so happens to be a man. Right. And I think that's just too difficult for for her to reconcile within herself. And I don't know if that's a generational teaching that was just instilled into her or whether or not there's some systemic reason for it. But I think that that is a very interesting dialogue in terms of relationships. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of a stigma you would probably come across in a lot of um, queer straight relationships. Like, just the straight partner having to accept, like, okay, my mm-hmm. boyfriend or girlfriend has been with a man, another man or woman yeah. or whatever, and that, like, they may not realize that that makes them uncomfortable because they're like, oh, I'm not homophobic or, oh, I'm not, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, but there's still this like subconscious stigma and stereotypes that we hold just because of society and what we see on social media and what, you know, what these perfect relationships look like Yeah. on. And we just, you know, see it over and over again on TV or, you know, whatever we're consuming, whatever media we're consuming, we see it over and over again. And even if we're telling ourselves, I accept all of that, all of somebody being gay or bisexual, queer. Yeah. um, You may think that we do, but we have this little subconscious 
thing in the back of our heads that like maybe we're not so comfortable with it when it's when it has to do with ourselves and I think that's something that people kind of need to start thinking about is like you can think you're you know you're not homophobic you're not racist you're not this you're not that but I think we need to start thinking about it on like a deeper level of like but what would I do if that situation involved me exactly it's a different it's a different situation yeah when it's for a lot of people it's a different situation and right. I do agree that I do agree your point. I think it is a subconscious thing. It's not a conscious decision to be to have that reaction. It's just it's just your natural reaction. Does that make it right? No. Mm-mm. But that's the that's the difficult part about a question like this, and you know, with this kind of problem or whatever you want to call it people have an ingrained with some sort of belief whether or not you are outwardly homophobic or outwardly racist there is still some part of you that like your mind just goes there right and it might not be you know like all people yeah but i think that it probably is a lot of people i would maybe even guess it is probably a lot of people at Wilmington. Mm-hmm. People who don't think they are this way, but in reality, it's. I'm not saying just because you have a a thought, a passing thought, mm-hmm. that you're immediately one of these things. But I am thinking that that's a lot more common than people would want to think. Right. Like yeah, 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 yeah. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Going back to like that, the paradox between these strong black relationships and then these black women having yeah. trouble finding these black men to date. Another um message that I kind of saw a lot was kind of like these black men and these black women this message that I kept seeing was you know the women doing the being this perfect wife and being this yeah just kind of being there for their man like I remember in the insecure show there's that one scene where it's one of the main characters and she goes to like this little party with her other friends and there is a black couple there and the guy says something like you know it's like one of the girls that the two main girls like yeah they don't really like her but like she's still part of the friend group yeah um and the guy oh my god what does he say he says like she just lets me be her king and I let her be my queen or whatever. Yeah. Like it's like that kind of messaging that's like like why do black women have to again shrink themselves to please these men if you know these women they know what they want. They have standards. Mm-hmm. Why 
has it become so normal for them to shrink themselves or people expect them to shrink themselves yeah to fit into this role of like not lifting a finger and being a a lady yeah but it's like a lady is not just someone who is there to please a man and i think that's especially uh-huh. um something that's expected when you're a black woman and i don't know if that is um black people were enslaved in the u.s mm-hmm. and there would be these balls where these black women would go and dress up to meet these white men um to marry them and have kids right that's what it was it was like a ball to meet these white men to like sign this contract to marry them and have kids and you know yeah i don't know if it maybe has stemmed from that or something like that from all the way back then where black women men just shrink black women to fit these standards from back in the past mm-hmm. and it just like hasn't changed no i can definitely you can definitely always talk about like a historical approach slavery did a lot of things um but mainly i think to to your point like what you just said these women would sign contracts to then pretty much give up their body not to say that they are had any rights over their body to begin with as a slave or as enslaved people. But now it's like, maybe today, her body, her person, herself, is sometimes that's all she has. Mm-hmm. She might be looking for a partner, someone to help her, someone to take care of her, not in a leeching sort of way just as a as a natural human being you want help mm-hmm. you want somebody to help you take care of yourself you want somebody to help share the load of life right. and as a black woman that burden is a lot harder than some other people have it uh-huh so i think to a certain extent she's giving her body She's giving her herself as a form of payment for whatever a man might be able to give her, whether that be money, whether that be attention, whether that be love, whether that just be a family. You never really know. I think that's more of an individual level, but I think as a group, you, you talk about commodified, what is it? Commodified flesh. Right. That's a huge thing. And I think that's probably why some black women lower their standards and maybe go with, with a guy who isn't worthy of them is right. because they're just wanting something. Okay, and maybe they don't even really realize 
that they're doing yeah. it. They may they may not like you said, they may not even recognize that. Right. Yeah, and I think that commodified flesh, like definitely I guess the idea of commodified flesh like Palmer always says a lot of tentacles mm-hmm. and that definitely has to probably do with um, black women being told they need to lower their standards because even like going off of that commodified flesh and looking in like the media and how over sexualized black men and women are yeah that also goes back to like what i was saying earlier about when we see and consume all this media it's like a subconscious thing or maybe not even subconscious we just basically are told what to think about certain groups of people and if all some men and black men are seeing are these black women in the media that are you know showing their skin and dancing twerking yeah doing whatever you know talking about sex in their raps and selling like sex because obviously sex sells yeah um they may they're gonna start to form these judgments in their head already just based off what they're constantly seeing in the media and also i'm not saying that like dressing like that and dancing and twerking and rapping about sex and singing about sex is a bad thing it's just kind of i remember we talked about that in class too is like that's what sells so that's what a lot of black women are going to focus on because you know most of their bosses are probably white and they're like this is what you gotta do and i think that's what um we were talking about in class one day Mm -hmm. about commodified flesh and it was like it may not i i don't feel like it's a problem to express yourself in a way that you want to express yourself whether that be through clothes through your music through whatever the way you talk but like we talked about in class it's a lot different for a black person because their bodies were taken from them their the right of their body was taking was taken from them and they were literally commodities right as slaves right and i think that's it's a different connotation when you talk about selling your body when you talk about you know your body is your tool to make your money that's it's a real it's a real thing mm-hmm. and it's something you really got to pay attention to and that we as i think as white people we don't look at like oh that's a problem right education is key education is honestly in my opinion probably the best way to come to combat any problem in modern day globe in modern day world so i was reading this um article i guess this journal it was it's called um can you hear me now 
And it's by Taryn um, Kiana Myers. And it's about her experiences throughout her life and having to code switch. And she says the practice of code switching or the adoption of specific linguistic styles based upon one's audience is the foundation of assimilation into white American culture. We talked about it in class a little bit and you can kind of, I think the first time, like it made sense to me in my head, but obviously I've never had to have that experience. Mm -hmm. So I remember he like gave an example and he was like, who goes home and your house is like loud as hell you're yelling like not yelling but like you're just talking louder than you usually would um and then like when you come into like class or going to work like you're quiet yeah and like i remember like he raised his hand like a couple people raised his hand or raised their hand and i was like oh my god what like what I was like mind blown. I was like, I've never heard of this. I never even thought about it. Like I felt like such like how I said earlier, like I had just had my blindfold like removed. Like, oh my God, black people do this code switching or have this double consciousness for like home life and yep. work or school or professional life, you know, because there is a fear of what could happen if they don't code switch. And then it's kind of like when they're black and bi or gay, mm -hmm. um, it's almost like they have to have a triple consciousness. Yeah. And they have like three codes that they're switching on because it's already hard to be black in America. It's also hard to be gay in America. And so being both is kind of, like I said before, it's like that double whammy of like double oppression. And I feel like black people maybe feel like they have to choose one or the other on certain days just to feel safe. It would be very difficult on a day-to-day -day basis i mean it's just time to let people be themselves and not mm -hmm. judge them for very very superficial stuff that does not have to do with anybody but someone personally yeah i agree